Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Igberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you as usual. Welcome aboard, Bridge MCP. Welcome aboard, Melody Keelan. Welcome aboard. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Lee Grant in a sports, there is E2247. Welcome to Politics Done Right. AVQ is in the house. El Senor Michael Rudnin, as well as, and let me scroll up, Where let me scroll, where is Yvette Avery Herod? Yvette Avery Herod is not yet listed on our chat, but Yvette, you know, I have a piece that I was hoping you were here just so that, I don't know if you actually saw Brother Biden on the campaign trail yet, but I thought he gave a good performance on the trail today. I mean, um, you know, I think it's the first time a president has ever showed up on a picket line. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Cassidy Hutchinson, yes, in fact, she was awesome, right? I mean, you sit down and listen to the innocence of this young lady. Oh, my God. Uh, She had to learn rather quickly. She had to learn rather quickly. Anyway, folks, Egberto, you going to play it? I missed it. Of course I'm going to play it, young lady. I have it all queued up just for you. Eric Hay says, who cares? Because he doesn't care. It is all options. I don't know, my dear. I don't know. Anyhow, let's go ahead and get busy. Let's see if I have anything that you guys want me to say. E2247 says, 925 Reuters striking Hollywood writers news. They have come to an agreement. E2247 also says, why does Biden pretend to be so friendly to us common folks while he's installed and abides by his home, Homeland Security Advisory Council following aficionados? It's all a game, folks. It's all a game. And those of you um, who watch Biden, you have to remember he has to play the presidential game as well. And I look, Biden, look, all these guys are politicians and they make the compromises internally, externally where they have to. That's what we live with. All right. We also have let's see. Uh, you're taking care of your kittens, eh? All right. Eric Hayes says Harris County commissioners at work for the taxpayer now using federal money shenanigans, CARES Act and American Rescue Plan. Nine hundred million dollars being misused Uh, in your in your thought, they're misused. But, you know, somebody else doesn't think that way. But again, you are just wanting to object. Try a positive affirmation sometime, my friend. All right, let's see what else we have here. E2247, industry-led AI policy approaches in, in past several years, like encouraging transparencies, mitigating bias, promoting ethical principles, and giving people choice are vital, yet not enough. To bring AI within the rule of law, lawmakers must go beyond half measures to ensure that AI systems and the actors that deploy them are worthy of trust. Lawmakers must do three things. First, Accept that AI in systems are not neutral. Exactly. It has the it has the brains of the composite knowledge of whatever it is scanning. All right. 
uh, uh, this includes moving swiftly and holding developers of AI systems accountable for their design. Two, focus on substantive inventions to limit abuses of power like imposing duties of loyalty, care, and confidentiality. And also, I don't see you have a number third, resist a narrative that AI systems are inevitable. Create strong, bright line rules for development and deployment of AI systems. Where did you get your trees? That your your choices of what needs to be looked at. Whatever the case is, they they seem uh, good to me. Now I think uh, we have to look AI in some different contexts, right? I want to look AI in the context of the uh, the actual worker working a whole lot less. I don't want to look at it as something that's competing with the American worker, but that's something that will do the work more efficiently and more humanely than Americans, meaning get, give Americans a hell of a lot more time to stay home with their kids and their loved ones. All right, all right, okay, let's continue this. Let's continue this, uh, para ver, para ver. Uh, we must have ex-ante approaches requiring a sound basis for processing data and deploying AI technologies. I think that goes without saying, my friend, you're absolutely right. Michael Rodney says, Cassidy Hutchinson told Rachel Mather that gets a lie about dating her among another. Yes, I will play that. Uh, we also have, let's see what else we've got. Uh, para ver, para ver, para ver, para ver. Uh, you're continuing with AI E2247, but that's a good one. AI half measures are important, but inadequate, necessary, but insufficient. Approaches of limited efficacy and isolation may give lawmakers a false sense of security that they've done enough. It's it's time to discuss these issues, though. It is time to discuss these issues. You stop because it shades your buddy Hidalgo? No, not at all. Uh, my buddy Hidalgo, I have nothing to shade from her or hide. She is quite open and very good at what she does. Bruce says, I'm trying to decide if electric vehicles are a solution for anything, Ford is doing the same. Um, the good thing about having electric vehicles is they represent an abstraction. So here is how I determine personally if the electrical vehicles are, right, are worth it. You, you figure out what's the total pollution that's created from the mining of the materials that create the car, right? Um, but it's a little bit deeper because the mining of the materials creating the cars can be done in several ways. They can be done in a capitalist form, which says at maximum efficiency. Uh, and since it's not our environment, many times where the, the materials come from, destroy other people's environment. We are abstracted from that. We get all the benefits of the car. But if you look at it more holistically, more worldwide, uh, you know, again, still. We're talking about being able to do these types of mining in such a manner that doesn't create the disruption within the environment. And if that's the case, then the other option is to say, well, how is the electricity generated? Well, we have to remember that electricity is the abstraction layer for cars. In other words, uh, right now, we could be using the worst polluted form of energy to create the electricity that will run our cars. And you'd have all the complainers and the naysayers saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, you are having electric cars, but it's actually being done with dirty, uh, dirty oil. So what's the point? What's the point is this. You get the abstraction layer which is the electric car. 
And because you have the abstraction layer, which is the electric car, it doesn't matter or it doesn't matter what the former generation. And later on, if you don't have it right now, you can make sure to increase the forms of green energy that ultimately supply the grid that ultimately supplies the electricity for the cars. So that is what one has to look at, in my humble opinion. And I think it has already passed the tests that electric cars are, in fact, the way to go. All right, let's see. More efficiency is automation, not AI. Um, artificial intelligence actually is a form of automation, right? Because, again, you auto, um, you, if, if you have, if you have the, the learning database programmed to figure out better efficiencies, yeah, that, that would be it. But I, you know, I'm not a person that simply wants to talk about uh, efficiency because there are certain places I don't think efficiency is what we're looking for. Efficiency is the answer, right? I don't want efficiency in, curing, in, drug, in, in, in building drugs that cure because, again, efficiency will dictate that uh, diseases like what my wife has, lupus, which has a particular, a specific demographic, a mostly particular demographic, would never get uh, products. And in fact, if you take a look at it right now, it is one of those diseases that's least worked on comparatively, let's say to breast cancer or, or, or uh, prostate cancer, that sort of thing. All right, Bruce says EV, Bruce, EVs are part of the solution. The largest polluter is still coal, to which EVs do not address. If we don't throw the kitchen sink against global warming or civilization collapse it, we have already lost a part of Antarctica the size of California. Sad. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got. Carl Cox says, meet Gates. Matt Gates is lying pile of crap who wouldn't know the truth of it. Bit him, which is true. Uh, Lee Grant says, we need to care more about our porous southern border than AI. I don't think so. Or port, what's, I mean, what's, you know, I look, yeah, control our borders, but the, the porosity of our borders doesn't really cause any lasting problems in America. In fact, it solves problems if one wants to be serious. Bruce says, should we mine lithium in the U.S. and destroy Utah? All right. That's a good point. There's a lot of lithium in, in, in Utah, but I say, a yes. We should mine lithium in Utah. We should find a, 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 a we should, again, if we're looking for efficiency in mining, it is polluting, it is destructive. However, if we look for a, a sustainable form of mining that actually costs a lot more money to mine, and not only costs more money to mine, but, you know, uh, protects the environment in the process, it'll cost more. In fact, in today's current capitalist economy, it probably wouldn't be efficient, right? But in some other form of economy where profit is not the ultimate outcome, it would be extraordinarily sufficient. But we, so we have to change our thought process because the reasons we don't have canals that bring water from the uh from let's say the wet areas in this country into the deserts is because it doesn't make economic sense in a capitalist society however in a society 
where we have free enterprise and the government involved in doing the things that that private sectors are not likely to do, we could do it. We could build a network of pipelines and water distribution throughout the country so that when one area is wet, we can pump the water to more dry areas. We, we can do all of that. The limiting factor is the false thing called money. But think about it. If we were for every unemployed person, for everybody that's coming over the border wanting a job, we would have the jobs, the productivity necessary to build canals and sustain canals and, 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 and bury electric wires under the ground. We could do all of that. Capitalism stops us from doing it because under that particular concept, right, they haven't figured out how they can make a buck doing that. But the government can just do it. It can just employ people to do that. But we won't. Because at that point, people would see why capitalism is a failed economic system. All right. Bruce said, shouldn't we mine lithium in the U.S. and destroy? Uh, uh, okay, I answered that already. Uh, let's see what else we have. Lee Grant says, I'm enjoying my electric robotic lawnmower right now. There you go, brother. I'm assuming you're not pulling my strings. Mining to save fossil fuels may cause more harm, eh? No, not again. Mining does not have to be destructive. D destructive mining is done for efficiency in a capitalist society. Let's remember how we used to mine for gold in certain parts of California. We will just take a high-pressure hose and wash down a mountain and collect the gold. Think about that. That is a very efficient way of mining for gold. But it's, a, it's very destructive to the environment. Now, if we go ahead and mine the gold and we put the, the refuse on one side, we go ahead and mine the gold. If there are, if, if there are certain kinds of chemicals that, that have a tendency to sit leash, we create the barriers to prevent that. It's very inefficient from a capitalist point of view. But if you take a give a value to the environment and you give a value to these other things, it turns out being efficient and we just do it that way. It's just that the capitalist system doesn't have an answer for that. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got. Child labor is a sloganeering talking point for conservatives as Republicans are trying to legalize child labor here in the U.S. If conservatives actually cared about child labor, they, would get, they wouldn't be electing Republicans who are so favor in, in favor of deregulating business that they'd bring this horror back. Exactly. It's a sham, right? The only reason they care about child labor is right now child labor is bringing a lot of the rear earths up, right? Which is a bad thing. We don't want child labor doing that. But they're they're concerned about the rear earth creating enough, enough batteries and all these things to put the oil industry out of business. That's their concern. That's their real concern. Come on, people. Don't 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 take our eyes off the ball. All right, Max Sack says, we couldn't mine enough lithium in the world to provide enough for the batteries of electric cars, let alone the electric devices. You keep believing the right-wing stuff. We can mine a whole lot of materials to create batteries out of lithium, out of NIMH, and out of many other uh, types of batteries. You don't have to limit yourself to one form. But that said, 
that's not a true statement about lithium. That's a statement coming out of, I believe, of the Heritage Foundation or the Cato Institute, which, uh, when it comes to these issues, should never be believed. All right. Uh, what else have we got here? Daniel Lido says, Democrat governance will destroy us way before the environment. Okay, well, uh, let us govern and destroy us then. Okay. My success says, oh, here comes the unicorn way of mining from the left. I love that. I love that. I love that. Ignore the bait comments so we can have a show, please. You know, uh, we're going to have a show right now because what we're going to start with is we're going to start with playing the president uh, over uh, when he did that good, good thing. But hey, by the way, Breach, we need to answer some of the baits because that bait is what's out there in the right wing domain. And guess what, my dear, beautiful lady? Uh, the podcast actually gets uh, gets a good number of right wing viewers who many times we have an option with. Remember, we have some uh, some of our right wingers here that are immutable. They choose to be immutable. They choose to be ignorant. But their, their choosing to be ignorant gives us the impetus to serve others. But anyway, let's watch our president on the picket line. I watched a lot of UAW picket lines when I was a senator since 1973, but I tell you what, first time I've ever done it as a president. Okay. Oh, One thing is real simple, I'm going to be very brief. The fact of the matter is that you guys, UAW, you saved the automobile industry back in 2008 and before. Made a lot of sacrifices, gave up a lot, and the companies were in trouble. Now they're doing incredibly well, and guess what? You should be doing incredibly well too. Stick with it. You deserve the significant raise you need and other benefits. Let's get it. Back we lost. Okay. It's a different kind of arsenal democracy, and it's a different kind of war we're fighting. Today, the enemy isn't some foreign country miles away. It's right here in our own, in our own area. 
It's corporate greed. And the weapon we produce to fight that enemy is the liberators, the true liberators. It's the working class people, all of you working, working your butts off on those lines to deliver great product for our companies. That's right. That's how we're going to defeat these people. That's how we're going to defeat corporate greed is by standing together. You know, this is a historic moment. The first time in our country's history that a sitting USA president All right. has came out and stood on the picket line. Our president chose to stand up with workers in our fight for economic and social justice. Thank you. So it's a historic day, a historic moment in time. You know, just as today, you know, it's about the auto workers who are part of the fabric of the working class of this country. We're the people that make the world run. It's not the billionaire class. Not the elite few. It's the working class of the billions of people who've been left behind. That's what this battle's about, changing that. You know what's going to move this? It's not some executive that owns our future. It's us. It's working class people from all walks of life. You know, it's what we decide to do together that's going to change it. It's going to shape the future of this earth and for future generations. And that's the economic reality that corporate executives don't want us to recognize. I see these CEOs trying to justify a system where they take all the profit and the workers are left to fight for the scraps and live paycheck to paycheck. That's got to end. They say they deserve all the profit because they say they're different. You know what? They are different. They have different degrees. They have different responsibilities. They have different titles, different positions. You know what? I agree, though. They're different. Let's talk about some of that. These CEOs sit in their offices. They sit in meetings. They make decisions. But we make the product. belongs to them. Today belongs to the auto workers and the working class. And the difference between them and us is just as our theme song Solidarity Forever says, without our brain and muscle, not a single wheel would turn. That's what's different about working class people. Whether we're building cars or trucks or running parts distribution centers. Whether we're writing movies or performing TV shows. Whether we're making coffee at Starbucks. Whether it's nursing people back to health. Whether it's educating students from preschool to college. We do the heavy lifting. We do the real work. Not the That's what power is. We have the power. 
The world is of our making. The economy is of our making. This industry is of our making. And as we've shown, when we withhold our labor, we can unmake it. And as we're going to continue to show, when we win this fight with the big three, we're going to remake it. In this union, the members are the highest authority. In this country, the people are the highest authority. And so today, I just want to take a moment to stand with all of you, with our president, and say thank you to the president. Thank you, Mr. President, for coming. Thank you for coming to stand up with us in our generation's defining moments. And we know the president will do right by the working class. And when we do right by the working class, you can leave the rest of us because we're going to take care of this business. And let's get back to winning solidarity for all of our members and economic and social justice for all of our members. You've heard me say it many times. Wall Street didn't build the country. The middle class built the country. Unions built the middle class. So let's keep going. You deserve what you've earned, and you've earned a hell of a lot more than you're getting paid now. Thank you very much. So I guess the old man is doing just fine. The old man is doing just fine. He's in shape, unlike our currently pretty darn obese, mentally defective president. If you can see, he still thinks he's running against Obama. He still thinks that he ran against George W. Bush. I I forgot to cut that out. Uh, You know, I was on the spinner while I was watching Trump and the very uh, mental lapses that he continuously have at his rallies. You know, he believes he's running against George W. Bush. Now, we just watched a a president whose mind is quite sharp, even if he kind of has a little bit of that older guy's walk. You know, I wonder, I hope I don't get that. But, you know, I think he's, he, he, he did a good pep rally there for the folks. Now, he needs to call up some of these CEOs and pull pull their chains and say, you will do this. Because this is what needs to be done or else, you know, uh, if you don't support people who are paying taxes, we'll make sure that people who are paying taxes don't support you, meaning federal government programs. All right. Bruce says, I think we will have to subsidize the EV business if we want to give uh, big raises. So we have to raise uh, takes on the rich. Elon, the dumb, can make EVs for a profit. What do his employees get paid? $45 an hour when you include all the benefits, while the UAW is, I think, $60 an hour when you include all the benefits, somewhere in that kind of ballpark. What we need to do is not try to bring down the wages of people at Tesla, but bring up the wages of people at Tesla so that they, uh, so that we have the same kind of playing field. Again, what is Tesla doing? Tesla is building product with, sub, with, with, with lower paid people. We have to remember this. We don't we don't fight for bringing people down and workers down. We fight for bringing them up. Anyway, 
Let's go ahead and listen to Cassidy, her a piece of her interview with regards to Matt Gates with uh, Rachel Maro, and tell me what you think. Let's go ahead and do that. Aurita mismo. Let's get this. Cassidy Hutchinson, the chief of staff of Mark Meadows, who was Trump's chief of staff, wrote a new book called Enough. She went on to Rachel Maro to discuss the book. And among all of the revelations that she had, there's one interesting one with a precocious little punk that appears. And that has to do with Matt Gates. Turns out Matt Gates uh, uh, replied to her statement that he attempted to, what should I say, that he attempted things with her that, yeah, you know, she's lying. And also, uh, you know, we were uh, item for quite a while. Well, it's interesting because not only did uh, Cassidy Hutchinson diss him, check this out and we'll take a look at the other side. You describe a night at Camp David um, when he was leaning against the doorframe while um, somebody answered the door to another cabin. Matt straightened his posture when Kevin McCarthy asked him what he wanted. He explained he had seen my golf cart parked outside and thought this was my cabin. Embarrassed, I got up and asked Mr. Gates what he needed. He explained that he was lost and asked me to escort him to his cabin. I told him to proceed around the circle drive. All the cabins are clearly marked. It's impossible to get lost. He asked me one more time to leave with him. Kevin McCarthy then said, quote, get a life, Matt, and shut the door. Now, Mr. Gates, um, we asked him for comment on these allegations tonight. He told us, I don't remember either of these events. And based on Cassidy's prior false statements, I doubt they occurred. I did date Cassidy for a few weeks when we were both single years ago. We parted amicably and remained friends thereafter, even during President Trump's post-presidency. And then he goes on to make other unrelated claims. Um, I just, I'm sorry to ask you if you want to respond to that, but I'm going to ask you if you want to. I would love to respond to that. Okay. So thank you for giving me the option. Yeah. Um, I will give Matt credit in his part of the statement that we did have an amicable working relationship mm. and we, we were good friends at, at points. Um, Matt Gates, in my opinion, is somebody that I personally do not hold in high regards in terms of trust. And I do not think that Matt Gates has the best track record for relationships and condoning, condoning his relationships, how he thinks that they might be defined. I will say on behalf of myself, I never dated Matt Gates. I have much higher standards in men and Matt, Matt, frankly, is a very unserious politician. We see that today with the ruckus that he is causing on Capitol Hill with the spending negotiations. And I'm not, I don't really have much else to say to somebody that is more concerned about a soundbite than actually passing legislation. That was not only a personal diss. That was a political diss. That was a diss saying that this guy has no character, no morals. But more importantly, he's a poor representative of what any sort of uh, politician serving his constituency should be. Uh, she knows him well. And I think uh, this doesn't go over too well for him. For someone who thinks he's going to be the next governor of Florida with his, his precocious, his precocious, in very immature, illogical self, I think uh, this could be a bit damaging. 
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead. Number one, subscribe to our channel. And number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us, please. Absolutely what most Americans say that they want. And that is why we constantly say we've got to be with the independent media and specifically the progressive independent media. Anyhow, we have uh, some more videos to play for you. Specifically, I want you to listen to Amanda Carter. Amanda Carter was talking about the book that was written about uh, Mike Milley, the, the Joint Chief of Staff. And she was concerned because joint, uh, Milley said that he believed Trump would arrest him if he ever got back in power. But then at the same time, he said, but I don't think Trump is ever going to get back into power. To which many say, why would you say that? What has changed to make it that it would make it that much more impossible for Trump being in power? Nothing has really changed. I want you to listen to her. Amanda Carpenter, she's a conservative editor for uh, several rags. Let's go ahead and play her, and then we'll take it in el otro lado. General Chief of Staff Mike Milley called out Donald Trump for many things, including a time that uh, a, a, a wheelchair-bound veteran, uh, he, he told him after he came there, why do you bring people like this to the show? People don't want to see this. In other words, uh, Trump just showed his inhumanity. So there are a whole lot of things that Mike Miller called out Trump for. And for that, Trump wants him, for all practical purposes, executed. But, you know, in the, in the recent book, Mike Miller said that, uh, uh, that he thinks at some time Trump may just try to arrest him. But uh, he thinks that wouldn't occur because he doesn't think Trump can win. What's interesting is a conservative editor kind of admonished him. She has a very compelling, a compelling statement that I think not only conservatives who want democracy to remain to hear, but a story that just about everyone thinking about, well, it can't happen here, uh, even if we elect uh, Trump again, because we just don't like Biden. This is what could happen. I want you to listen to her because I think she nails it and she nails it in a fashion that asks a question. What makes you believe it can't happen here? Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. Amanda, your colleague Ian Bassin said on this program something that has haunted me since the minute it came out of his lips. He said, and, and I think govern is, is too generous. I think he will rule as an autocrat would rule, um, but he wouldn't leave. He wouldn't be there for four years. He'd stay. Um, what is your um, analysis of the recent public musings very much in the character of a wannabe autocrat? I think it's very easy to get caught up in the daily stories about what Trump threatens from day to day. And what is important is to fit it into a broader pattern. I mean, we often ask ourselves, how come Republicans aren't doing anything? You know, a lot of it is enabling complicity. But I do think even among a lot of broad swath of the voters, there's this belief that this can't happen here. 
And so one of the things that we talk to a lot of experts at, at Protect Democracy, is trying to translate how authoritarians gain power in other countries and what similarities we are seeing here. Because these things that Donald Trump is doing, they're not exclusive to him. This is how authoritarians operate. Like we have a playbook. I encourage everyone to go read it. We talk about the seven things, the tactics that they employ. They stoke violence. They corrupt elections. They politicize independent institutions. They spread disinformation. They quash dissent and they marginalize vulnerable communities. And it's like every day I can look in the news and put that story, put those stories into a box for this checklist. And we've seen this happen in other countries. We've seen Orban do it. We've seen Putin do it. We've seen Ortega do it. And now we see it happening here. And so, you know, we ask about like, okay, what do the news media do differently? The thing to understand about Trump is not just Trump. It is a movement, not a man. And so I think we need to be talking to all the people that support him. It's not just elected Republicans. It's a donor class. It's an activist media. It is the voters. And say, what are you doing differently with this information? You know, I am delighted, thrilled that Mark Milley is speaking out and telling his story finally. But how many years did we have to wait to hear that story? And, you know, again, I thank him for going to the Atlantic and doing this. But I am haunted by something that came at the end where he says, yes, I believe Trump would throw me in jail, but I don't think he'll win. I'm not sure why Mark Milley is so sure. If we are not talking to people and doing things differently than we did in 2016, why do you why are you so confident in a different outcome? I mean, please remember, this is the third time Donald Trump will get the presidential nomination from the Republican Party in three consecutive elections. That is not a mistake. It is not an accident. And it is an affirmative endorsement. Unless those conditions change, I don't see a different outcome. Now, Amanda is absolutely correct. And one has to wonder why uh, and not only Republicans are not taking uh, the threat of uh, Trump, not as Trump, the individual, but the movement that's been generated with Trump, because that is the real danger. The danger is not the man. The danger is that that sense of power that has grown around a pretty evil movement. It's an autocratic movement. It's a movement that Trump leads right now, but it's a movement that has many heads and all those heads will be right there ready to take over if, if or when Trump is there, but more specifically, or not. And that is what folks have to understand. Everybody's Trump, Trump, Trump. Trump is right now the person who can be the facade of an evil movement. That's all he is, the facade of an evil movement. But the evil is inherent to, this, to that particular movement already. That, that evil is there, and it's manifested by Matt Gates. It's manifested by, uh, by, by uh, those the, the guy here from Texas. It's manifested by the, the South Carolina uh, MTG or whatever she is, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. That, that disease, that cancer, that evil is within the leadership already. So whether there's a Trump or not, it continues. What we have to do is make sure to get make the movement irrelevant. And how do you make the movement irrelevant? They, you have to offer the alternative, which is what we consider doing all the time. We have to offer the alternative 
alternative. Anyway, folks, anyway, folks, anyway, folks, I have one last video, and this is from Mike Taylor. I, I interviewed Mike Taylor several I guess I interviewed Mike Taylor in either 2021 or the end of 2021 or sometime in 2022. Uh, while I play this one, I'll find the link of the previous interview that I did with him. But he had uh, some words to say yesterday that I think folks ought to listen to as well. So let's go ahead and listen to Miles Taylor and then we'll take it en el otro lado. Remember Miles Taylor? Miles Taylor was uh, Trump's uh, former chief of staff of Homeland Security. I interviewed Miles Taylor several years ago when he came out with that book. I think it was titled Democracy Blowback, a warning uh, to save democracy or something like that when he came out with that book. Because remember what that book was, right? It was actually, I think it was a warning. Anonymous is what. Well, no, no. He wrote the letter Anonymous. Uh, to the to the Times, I believe something to that effect, and then later on he wrote the book Blowback. I interviewed him after he was after I think he came out or was discovered, and you know what he gave he gave us a hell of an interview uh, back then. But he's on he was on with uh, with Deadbeat White House uh, recently, where he actually pointed out that. He's frustrated that Americans are simply not, probably not serious. And just maybe uh, if this guy gets elected, it would be something we deserve. Actually, I want you to listen to how he, he says it, and then we'll take it on the other side. It's important to understand that the front running front runner of the Republican Party stands on the other side of 80 percent of all Americans who oppose political violence. The front runner of the Republican Party stands on the other side of 85 percent of Americans who oppose extrajudicial punishments, shooting drug dealers, shooting people convicted of drug crimes. Sixty eight percent of all Americans stand on the other side of the Republican front runner when it comes to choice. And reproductive health care and 85 percent of all Americans stand on the other side of the Republican frontrunner when it comes to gun safety legislation. He was, I don't know, will, you know, throwing around and caressing a firearm today. I mean, you can cover him, but you can't start a sentence or end a sentence without reminding people that he's been indicted for his own conduct by four different jurisdictions and that he's on the other side of 65 to 90 percent of the American people on every issue that people vote on. We are living in a masterclass of silence and complicity right now in our country. Uh, it, it's not like any of this is new. Five years ago this month, Nicole, I wrote an opinion piece about how Donald Trump's own people thought he was incompetent and dangerous. And you know what his response was? It was a seven letter tweet. Treason? Question mark. And his supporters leaned into that, right? They they treated it like it was treason. That's why it was so resonant to me when I saw this piece about Mark Milley this weekend, is it's the same language he's been using for years against anyone who criticizes him. He assumes they're enemies of the state, and he's convinced millions of his followers that people are enemies of the state. This is autocratic rhetoric. Uh, I've spent the past couple of weeks, Nicole, in Eastern Europe, where there's a long history of living under the threat of autocratic rulers. And I was at a dinner and these people asked me, is, is Trump 
going to be a dictator in a second term? Or is he just saying this? And and I almost blew my top. I was like, who at this point thinks he's just saying this? Yes, he will govern as a dictator. And I'm willing to submit that there's not anyone else in the United States who's asked more ex-Trump officials the question that I've asked them, which is what will happen in a second term? I've asked hundreds of them that question now. And the answer is pretty much universal. He'll govern without restraint. He will govern with retribution in mind. He will jail his opponents. He will abrogate the U.S. Constitution. And what's astounding is these aren't our words. They are his words. This is the man who said he wanted to suspend the Constitution. And I'm really incredibly frustrated at this point because the people who've been inside the belly of the beast are saying he will govern like an autocrat. And yet you still have 50 percent of Republicans at least saying they want him to be the nominee. He's the overwhelming favorite. And frankly, if we put someone like that back in the White House, it's tough to think that we won't deserve everything we get after that. But we need to go into it clear eyed because it will be the end of the republic. And I believe that firmly. Stanner's right. I mean, he's absolutely right. The fact of the matter is the following. If we don't, independent media, all media, don't get on board now and pretty much dispel the fantasies that Trump comes out with that makes him continue to be a plausible candidate. We would have uh, gotten what we deserve because we allow we allow all sides to really bang on Biden, etc. Too old, uh, who knows Hunter Biden, and all all the little stuff that we elevate to the level of Trump to try. It. I shouldn't say elevate, de-elevate to the level of Trump, so that it's almost now a a a turnout game. This election shouldn't be a turnout game. This election should be a values game. This election should be a, a, a determination based on not only qualification, but based on deservedness for the job. Will it be? Well, Miles Taylor's concern, but what he says at the end is true. If we elect Trump, maybe we would have deserved to have Trump. Absolutely so. Absolutely so. Uh, Bruce has the thing. The pie chart above shows the distribution of registered voters by age for a community. Registered voters are randomly selected from this distribution to be called for duty. What are the odds in age range that the first person called for jury duty is in the range of 25 to 35 years? I don't know, but uh, I haven't taken a, done any calculations, but that is a chart that he has out there. Anyway, folks, I put inside of the chat the interview that I did with Miles, uh, Miles Taylor of, uh, in 2021. It was a, you should check it out. I, I put the link in there as well. It's uh, just after he, I think he got exposed as a person who wrote that letter. I think it was in the Washington Post or the New York Times. I can't remember specifically. Uh, really, 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 really. Anyhow, folks, I don't have any more videos to show, and I have a major interview that I'm doing with a station. I think the station is in Michigan. I think they are in like a couple hundred networks or something like that. So I need to do a, a quick and dirty preparation for that. Um, I want to ask all of you out here who have the wherewithal to support the program. How can you support the program? You can support the program by simply going to politicsdoneright.com slash support. politicsdoneright.com slash support. And you can also 
uh, join, uh, become a, a paid member of our newsletter. We send out the newsletter at five every morning and then we send it out with other important stuff every so often. Uh, it is a good way to support us. It's like saying, Egberto, we're going to buy PDR, Politics Done Right, a cup of coffee per what? Per month. Is that is that bad? No. I need I need hundreds more, more like 1,500 of those uh, or, or a bit more so that we can actually start getting some help. Uh, if you, I don't know if you guys have recently looked at our uh, channels, uh, specifically our, um, you know, we have, I, I've started centralizing on a lot of, um, what is it? What should I say? Instagram and, and uh, what is it? TikTok. Instagram and TikTok. And so what I want to do is maybe I should put our Instagram link in there if I can figure out how to pick out the profile. Let's see if it'll allow me to do that. I should have had that prepared, but I don't. But anyhow, um, let's see if it's in the profile or not. It may be there. It's maybe there. It may be there. Yeah, I think it's there. So here we go. I think this is it here. This is my TikTok profile http colon there you go check that out and uh you can also go to our instagram profile and we have a whole lot of we're, we're doing a whole lot of that now and the reason why we do that is to extend the reach and you know we've been doing pretty darn good as far as getting the message out there in this format so please help us uh please go ahead and like or follow my uh, new, it's not new, my TikTok channel. Please go ahead and let me go ahead and get to the TikTok channel portion if I can. And I think I can, I think I can. Uh, where is my t Where is my TikTok? How do I get to the TikTok profile? Uh, let's see, I'm looking for, I'm in my Instagram profile. I'm trying to get to the Instagram profile. Well, I can't figure it out right now. But anyhow, folks, please consider uh, going ahead and, and subscribe to or, or, or follow these particular ones. Anyhow, again, please support the program at politicsandright.com slash support. Here is the link. And please link to our, uh, our newsletter. Please go ahead and become a paid subscriber of our newsletter, a coffee or so a month. And it will be great. Anyway, I got to get out of here a bit early today. We're leaving about five minutes early. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. Oh, wait a minute. You mentioned Vivek, Eric. I want to say something about Vivek real quick. Did I hear Nanette Bird-Smith? Welcome aboard. I haven't spoken to you in a while. Uh, Vivek, it turns out, oh, his father is not a citizen. Oh, and not only that, but there are rumors that from some people on the conservative side that his parents were illegal uh, not illegal. I don't use that word. Undocumented for a while. I don't know, but that's what I somebody I heard say. Would have to verify that. But anyway, folks, support the program. My name is Egberto Willis. You know how I am going to end this program. My name is Egberto Willis. This is politics done right, and you know how I end this program. I am what? Oh.
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.